Hallelujah. Just close your eyes, begin to bless the name of the Lord. Just give him glory, give him praise. Worship his holy name. Because in heaven and on earth there is none like unto him. Just exalt his holy name, exalt his holy name. Exalt his holy name. Thank him for his goodness. Thank him for his deliverance. Thank him for his provision. Thank him for his grace that is sufficient for us and for his strength that is made perfect. Even in the times of our weakness, just exalt his holy name. Bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this gathering because it's unto no other name but unto the name of Jesus. For your word says, wherever two or three are gathered in your name, you are there in their midst. Holy Spirit, we ask that you shall take absolute control. As I'm about to speak your word, may I not speak of my own accord, but may I speak as you grant me utterance. By virtue of the fact that I'm a blood-born citizen of the kingdom of God, I take authority in the realm of the spirit and I declare a supernatural injunction on any activity of the enemy in this place. We declare this place and the hearts and the minds of the people of God sanctified and made ready for them to have an encounter with their father this morning. Take glory, Father. Take glory, Son. Take glory, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' most excellent name, have we prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. Shall we put our hands together for the Lord? And can you add a shout of praise to it? Oh, don't be dull this morning. Can we give the Lord a shout of praise? Hallelujah. You may take your seats. Praise the Lord. How many of you are excited to be in church today? How many of you are excited? You don't look excited at all. I said, how many of you are excited to be in church? Yeah, that sounds like excitement now. This is audible and palpable <laughs> excitement. We bless God for a Sunday like this. And uh, we thank God for the series on spiritual growth. Amen. Yeah, so by the time we are done, we must see evidence of your growth. Amen. One of the signs that you are grown is that you start coming for Saturday evening prayer meetings. Should I do a carry out a census? Those who were here yesterday night. Uh-huh. So the, the growth must show in your participation in everything that is done in church. Hallelujah. Yeah, there's no spiritual age restriction for any of the things we do in church. Spiritual age is so if you're a baby, you don't come. It's only for people who have grown to a certain level. But every activity in the church is for everybody. But I sense in my spirit that I'll be declaring a fast very soon. You see, you are not excited. You see, you are not excited. You are thinking about your oats. I said, I sense in my spirit that I'll be declaring a fast very soon. I mean, those who took part in the last fast, it was awesome. Oh, when we were finishing, we didn't want to stop. Yeah. This time around, it will probably be just about a week. Mm. So I'll give you just about a week. Uh, you are happy about a week. I'll double it. <laughs> the Bible says, if a man says you should go a mile, go a twain. Go twain. Go twain. Double. Yes. So very soon, I'll be declaring another fast. Amen. Amen. But we thank God for this series and um, I've dealt with the word. I didn't think the word would take more than half of the month, but we already two-thirds through the month and it's been taken by just the word. Hallelujah. And how many of you have learned some new things that you are going to apply? 
yeah last wednesday i gave a practical way or practical ways of studying the word i i showed you even how to memorize scripture a good method to use to memorize scripture i told them that many people find it difficult to memorize scripture because they try to memorize that's the problem the easiest way to memorize scripture is to go by the method of repetition somebody say repetition so you write the scripture somewhere on a card or something, paste it somewhere. Anytime you see it, you, you, you recite it. You recite it. I even told them that you can do a voice recording of whatever scripture you want to memorize. Put on your phone and be listening to your own voice saying the thing. And then you repeat it, repeat it. By the time you realize, you can, that's how children learn rhymes and stuff like that. They don't understand what they are saying. But because they repeat and repeat, they can say it A to Z without missing one sentence. Hallelujah. So repetition is a way. And then there are applications, apps that can help you to memorize scripture. And I recommended one for you, Scripture Typer. It's a free app on, it's, a, it's, it's an Android app. It's on uh, Play Store. So Scripture Typer. When you go to um, Play Store, you type Scripture Typer, it will come. You download it. It has very interesting ways of helping you to memorize scripture. The scripture you want to memorize, you, you type it in, it comes in whatever version you want whether it's NIV or KJV or whatever. And then you recite, you recite, you recite over and over, and then they'll take out certain words. And you're expected to type in those words and fill in. And then they'll take out another set of words. And you're expected to type in and fill in those words. Like that. So by the time you are done, you know where every word is supposed to be. And you're able to quote the scripture verbatim. So these are good ways in which you can study the word. And I gave certain things you must do. When you're about to study the word, you must set the stage. Setting the stage means you must find an appropriate place. You mustn't have disturbance. Put your phone off because your phone will be beeping and you'll be distracting yourself and you can't concentrate on what you're reading. Yeah, that's how. <laughs> and then you need to lay a foundation. Wherever or whatever scripture you are reading, you must lay the foundation by asking the following questions. Who, what, where, when, why? Who wrote that book? When did he write it? Why did he write it? To who did he write the book? And I told you that when you want this kind of information, then your Bible doesn't have to be Gideon's International Bible because it doesn't have that kind of information. That is why you must graduate into study Bibles where most of the time at the beginning of the book they've given a brief history of who wrote it the time he wrote it why he wrote it and it makes you understand the scriptures better and i gave an example of second timothy that second timothy was a book that paul wrote when he was in prison in rome in fact he was on death row and he was getting ready to be crucified sorry to be killed hey crucified was jesus Christ. he was getting ready to be killed and that was when he wrote second timothy so you realize that the theme in 2 Timothy is all about endurance and perseverance and things like that. So that if you take 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, and you read it, where it talks about the fact that, For I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. Now that you know when Paul wrote it and why he wrote it, it makes better sense to you. Amen. Because he, the father himself, has been captured. He knows he's coming to die. He's going to be killed. So he's encouraging his son that don't be afraid. 
don't let fear enter you. Continue to do the work that you are doing. Continue to teach the word. Continue to evangelize. Continue to do the work of a pastor. Continue to endure in this thing that we have said we are doing. Amen. So that is how you study the scriptures. You lay the foundations. And then after that, you go into what we call observation. So it's like reading. You read what you have seen. So you observe and then you try to interpret what you are seeing and then you try to apply. So observation, interpretation, application and then meditation. You have to meditate upon the word of God. That is how you get the the power of the word into your spirit. It's like digesting the food. Food on your table or food in your hand is useless to you until it has entered you and you have even when you swallow it it's not useful you would have just satisfied yourself that you have eaten it's until until you have digested and absorbed it that is when you gain the full benefit of the food that you have eaten and the process of digestion of the word of god and absorption comes through meditation and meditation is not a one-time thing because in the bible they say what let this book of the law not depart from your lips, but meditating upon it, what? Day and night. It's a continuous thing. It's just like how you chain food in your stomach. Continuous, continuous until you absorb it. So meditation is important. And the last step in your Bible study should be memorization. You must memorize the word of God. Chew it, quote it. Jesus was an avid quoter, if there's a word like that, of the word. Amen. A lot of the things Jesus Christ said, he quoted from the word. And I told you on Wednesday that Jesus quoted from the Old Testament 180 times. And he quoted from 24 different books. Even when he was dying, he was saying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He wasn't only quoting when he was preaching. Normal, everyday life situations. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's in Psalm 22 verse 1. So he was quoting scripture at that very moment. Amen. And the Bible says, let the word of God dwell richly in you. So, richly means it's not dilute. When I gave the example of you are preparing milo, some people do just put the milk inside small. That is not rich. The milk is not inside rich. Some people are pepper. They'll take teaspoon and use it to measure the milk. Pour the thing inside. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the word of God is supposed to dwell in you richly. It's supposed to be a lot inside you. You must drip with the word of God. Every situation that comes, you must have the word of God ready inside you to fire it at the situation. Hallelujah. So that is a summary of Wednesday. This is for the benefit of those who have decided that they don't come on Wednesday. So I've just given you highlights of Wednesday's preaching. But we are done with the word when it comes to spiritual growth. And now we are going to choices. Everybody say choices. The choices you make can determine whether or not you grow in the spirit. Amen. Choices are very important. Somebody said, in a day, a man is confronted with at least 10,000 choices. When I was climbing here, I had a choice of going around this way, but I decided to come this way. You decided what you are wearing today. It's a choice. Where you are sitting, maybe that one, Sandra decided for you. (laughs) But in a day, you are confronted with a lot of choices you have a lot of choices and it is a fundamental aspect of life that you make choices in fact i say the most powerful thing god gave man is his will 
a will. That is the most powerful thing. A, the will may not sound like a very powerful thing to you because, oh, what is it? It's a will. What is will? Will. But the will is what we use to make choices. And the will is the most powerful thing God gave man because it is the only thing he himself cannot touch. I'll take it again. The will is the most powerful thing God gave to every human being because it is the only thing he himself cannot touch. God cannot touch your will. God cannot manipulate your will. Sometimes he tries to help you to obey him. That's why the Bible talks about the fact that he worketh in that both to what will and to do. Sometimes God tries to help you, but he can't force you. He can't force you. That is why your will is so powerful. Faith is powerful, but even faith is under the influence of the sovereignty of God. Faith is powerful. When I was teaching you on prayer, and I wanted to answer the question as to why we should pray if God is sovereign and he'll do whatever he wants. Sovereignty, the sovereignty of God is powerful. Faith is a powerful thing. That is why it needs regulation. And I gave you an example that if really we say everything you have faith for, you will receive it. The only requirement is, is for you to have faith. Then the church will be the most confused place on earth. Because if three gentlemen have faith for one lady, and they all believe that this is the one that I'm supposed to have, um, then God has to change his rules and allow a lady to marry three men. <laughs> but that is when the sovereignty of God comes in as a regulator. And it decides who has it and who doesn't have it and whether all three of you cry will be bounced. Amen. So faith is powerful, but it's, it's still under the influence of the sovereignty of God. But your will is not under the influence of the sovereignty of God. You decide what to do. That is why you can decide to reject he, God himself. That is how powerful your will is. Amen. So those of you struggling with certain sins, today I'm telling you how powerful your will is. It's just a matter of realizing that your will is a very powerful thing and walking in that power of that will under the influence of the Holy Spirit to overcome that besetting sin. Amen. If you can resist God with your will, then you can resist Satan even more because God is more powerful than Satan. Amen. So that is where choices come in. We make choices because we have a will and we have the chance to decide what we want and what we want to do. Now, what you decide to do with yourself will determine how your life proceeds. The Bible says, be not mock, be not deceived, for God is not mock. For whatever a man shall sow, the same shall he reap. Whatever choices you make today, if they are good, you reap the benefits. If they are bad, you reap the benefits. Hallelujah. And for us as Christians, we are living in a world that opens up a lot of choices for us. Things we can decide to do and things we can decide not to do. That is why under the choices, I'm talking about the Christian in the contemporary world. Everybody say the Christian in the contemporary world. Now, for if you think the word contemporary is big, you can replace it with modern. Okay? The Christian in the modern world. Contemporary just means relating to the times in which we are. Alright? So, we are not talking about ancient things. We are talking about modern things. 
And there are a lot of things that apply to us now. They apply to us in our time. That may not have been explicitly spelled out in the word. Okay? But when I was teaching you about the word, I told you the word is perfect. Amen? It has an answer for every question you have in this world. So it's just a matter of searching and finding. And you have answers to them. So you will not find it anywhere in the world that in the word that they say, Thou shalt not smoke weed. <laughs> or thou shalt not smoke cigarettes. Because those days they didn't know what cigarette was. Or thou shalt not listen to reggae music. I don't think they knew what reggae music was. There was music then, but they didn't know what reggae music was. But when it comes to these things, there are scriptures that can still guide us to decide whether this thing is good for me or this thing is bad for me. So that's why we're going to talk about the Christian in the contemporary world. So we talk about the Christian in music, the Christian in fashion, the Christian in alcohol, all those things. But today, I feel like starting with the Christian in music. Amen. The Christian in music. Because that's what music is everybody's business. Music is everybody's business. And music is such a powerful thing. Music is such a powerful thing. You know, some people who are not necessarily Christians, they made some very interesting statements. How many of you, you have heard of Plato? Plato. Plato is one of those uh, Aristotle, Plato, those philosophers. They were not necessarily Christians, but they were considered wise men according to men's, what do you call it, standards. Plato made a certain statement. He said, give me the music of a nation and I'll change the mind of the nation to illustrate the power of music. He said, give me the music of a nation and I'll change the mind of the nation. That is how powerful it is. How many of you have heard of Confucius? Sometimes when you read some of the things he wrote, you, his name, it's as if his name wants to Confucius, his name wants to have an effect on him. Some of the things he said to were white. But he made a statement. He said, if one desires to know of a kingdom, sorry, if one desires to know if a kingdom is well governed or its morals were good or bad, the quality of its music will furnish the answer. So that means the music of a people or a nation is a reflection of the people and what exactly is happening in the nation. Somebody also said, it's called Andrew Fletcher, he said, if a man will be allowed to make all the music of a nation, he need not care who makes the laws. If he can control the music, he can control the minds. So if you are given the exclusive right to make all the music of a nation, what he's saying is that it doesn't matter who is making the laws, who is sitting in parliament, drafting laws, and who is signing them into law. Once you can make the music, you have exclusive rights to the, to the music of a nation, you have the minds of the people. That is how powerful music is. And it is important for us to understand that music is a secondary language on its own. We have different languages. English, those are like primary languages of human beings but music is a secondary language on its own and that secondary language is universal there are times you can hear a song 
I remember when this song came out, um, this South African song, something, something, something. I was listening to it in my car. I didn't understand anything, but my spirit could resonate with what they were saying. I, I just knew they were saying correct things. Amen. That is how, how powerful music is. Music is, is a language on its own. Let me break it down to show you that music is a language. When we are communicating with people, we use words, right? Normal language, we use words. Words, phrases, sentences, paragraphs, books, whatever. All of those things can be broken down into letters. A, B, C, D, up to Z. 26 of them. From these 26, depending on how you combine them, you can get a word, you can get a sentence, you can get a phrase, you can get a paragraph, you can get a book, and you can get a whole library from these 26. That, that is how language is formed. Now, every kind of music you take can be broken down into what they call the tonic sulfur. David, if I'm going wrong, please correct me. Every form of music is a combination of notes. It's, it's, it's a combination of do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. Every song, it's a combination of these things. Or, or there are others that I don't know. <laughs> Fundamentally, right? Just like how you can take letters and combine them to form words. The kids are excited. Maybe we have to start children's service soon. <laughs> Just as you can take letters and combine them to form words and phrases and sentences. And that combination of, of letters, you can use it to inspire. You can use it to dampen somebody's spirit. You can use it to comfort. You can use it to do so many things. In the same way, you can take a combination of notes, put them together, and that combination can inspire. It can dampen somebody's spirit. There are certain songs, certain notes, when they play, suddenly you become sad. There are no words, though. But the way the thing goes, and, you know, it's like suddenly your mood just goes down. So the effect of music on human beings is not just on the inner man. We'll come to the inner man. But even our physical bodies, Music has the power to affect your physical body. There are some tunes when you hear, it's like the time you realize you are nodding your head unconsciously. You are moving your head like that. Before you remember that, hey, this song cry, hey, Charlie, I'm a man of God. Though. I shouldn't be nodding to, <laughs> or I'm in the worship team. I shouldn't be nodding to this kind of thing. Or you'll be tapping your feet. Depending on how the music goes. There are some songs when they play, you see people wriggling and gyrating as if they are worms. Others do you hear? If you hear a military song, a military song, the way it goes, can you gyrate and do those kind of things with it? You look very, very, very fun, funny. So it, music can, can even determine how our, our body, our bodies can respond to music depending on how it is. So even at the body, the level of the flesh, Music has some influence. But the most powerful effect of music is not its ability to make you nod or its ability to make you tap your feet. It is when it enters your inner man. When it enters your inner man. I want us to read First Samuel chapter 16. 
Let's read from verse 14. This is a story most of us know. And it demonstrates the power of music. It demonstrates the, the strength in music. I keep saying that in the Old Testament, the closest anybody came to casting a demon out of anybody, it wasn't Elijah, it wasn't Elisha, it wasn't Moses or any of those very anointed prophets. It was David's fingers on the harp. That is the closest anybody came to casting out the demon. Let's read the story. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Next. And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubled thee. That statement, evil spirit from God, is a whole, it's a whole sermon on this one. I don't even go there. Otherwise, I'll not finish what I'm, I'm, I'm saying. <laughs> Let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is a cunning player on a harp. And it shall come to pass, when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. Next. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning in playing, and a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. Next. Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread and a bottle of wine and a kid and sent them by David his son unto Saul. Next. And David came to Saul and stood before him and he loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer. Next. And Saul sent to Jesse saying, Let David, I pray, I pray thee, stand before me for he had found favor in my sight. Next. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. Hallelujah. This is the closest to anybody casting out a demon in the, New, in the Old Testament. Of course, in the New Testament, Jesus did it so many times. Paul did it. The disciples did it. But in the Old Testament, this is the closest. That should tell you the penetrative power of music. The fact that it can go beyond your flesh and go into your inner man. Whatever it is that was troubling Saul was inside of him. And the music had the power to go through. And the interesting thing about this one is that we aren't even told he sang. We are not told he sang. They said he played the harp. And the music was powerful enough. Of course, we started reading from verse 14. The earlier verses, David had been anointed. Alright? David had been anointed by Saul. The spirit of the Lord had come upon him. So, the playing that he was playing, he was playing not just as, as an ordinary man, but as somebody who had something sitting upon his head, which is called the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, this is how powerful music can be. Music goes beyond the flesh, enters the spirit. And that is why we should be careful as to what kind of music we expose ourselves to. Because the influence of music is very, 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 very strong. Now, in the Bible, what was the purpose of music? The primary purpose of music in the Bible was to praise and worship God. 
I can give you hundreds of scriptures on that. Most of the Psalms, the, the, the commonest phrase in Psalms, which is found in the middle of the Bible, 150 chapters, is praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You find praise the Lord so many times. So the primary function of music is to praise God in the Bible. That is the primary function. And most of the time when we were talking about music, it was in praising and worshiping God. Hallelujah. There were times that people did music or people used music. And on some of those occasions, God wasn't excited with them. When the, the, the people of Israel were in the wilderness and they decided to create the golden calf and decide to worship him, it. If you read Exodus chapter 32, the Bible says that they drank, they ate, and they rose up to play. The explanation of that they rose up to play was that they engaged in revelry, pagan revelry. And pagan revelry goes with playing music, dancing, and having sexual intercourse among themselves. And that was what got God, got God angry. So there was a perverted form of music in those days, in that particular time, and God wasn't excited about it. But throughout scripture, the primary role of music is for praising and worshiping God. Even in heaven, at the throne of God, that is what happens. And we'll come to Lucifer very soon. They praise and worship God. The Bible talks about the four elders holding harps, using harps to worship God. So music plays an integral role in our praising and are worshiping God. The second role of music that we see in the Bible is for the purpose of communicating doctrine or for teaching. Amen. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, 18 to 19. Ephesians 5, 18 to 19. Some people have asked me before what that scripture means. He said, And be not drunk with wine, wherein in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Next Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Let's read Colossians chapter 3 verse 16. A similar scripture is seen there. And let the peace of God rule in your heart. No, 16. 16. Let the word of God of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Somebody came and said, what does it mean to sing, to speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? Does it mean when we come to church and we are talking to each other, it should be in musical form? So you see somebody, good morning, how are you? The person, I am fine by the grace of God. <laughs> what do you plan to do today? I will go to school if God permits. <laughs> then we are singing to each other in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. <laughs> but that is not what the Bible is talking about. He's talking about the songs, the hymns, the psalms, and the spiritual songs carrying a message. Alright? So that is why song ministrations carry a message. When you sing a song in church, two things. You are either ministering praise and worship to God, or you are ministering to your fellow human being. Okay? So, let's say somebody stands and picks the microphone and starts singing. 
Will your uncle hold in the storms of life? Oh, won't you sing? Me, you sing. When there. has communicated a message to you in the form of a hymn. If you are going through a difficult time, even the first two lines of the will your anchor hold, then you start thinking, hey, if you are planning to go and misbehave just because things have gone bad in your life, they are asking you that, will your anchor hold through the storms of life? So, a message has been communicated to you. That's why I'm saying what? Admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So music is very important in the house of the Lord for praising God, for worshiping God, and for speaking into people's lives. That is why I keep saying that those of you who minister in song, you must take this ministry seriously. Because the most important part of the... I've said this a hundred times and I'll continue to say. The most important part of a meeting like this to God is not the preaching that I'm preaching. Because the preaching will not change him. If I come and say, all fornicators will go to hell. Does it apply to God? It can't apply to him. If I come and I'm teaching you about choices, it doesn't apply to him. So I can't imagine God sitting up there and I'm preaching and it's like, oh, you are preaching good. Oh, you are blessing me. Hey, you are speaking to me. Come on down my number. Mm, 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 mm. This is a revelation. God will not do that. <laughs> what I'm preaching, he knows it already. But when we lift up our voices and we praise, when we lift up our voices and we worship, I can imagine God getting up from his seat and receiving our worship because we are ministering unto him. So we preachers, we minister unto human beings. Hmm? Today, I'm, I'm giving you the singers on different level. We minister to human beings. You, you minister to both human beings and to God himself. That is a serious thing. So if me, I'll fast and pray and prepare to come and minister to ordinary human beings who sit on ordinary plastic. Oh no, this chair, this chair is not plastic chairs. Who sit on cushion chairs. <laughs> How much more you that you are ministering to the king of kings and the lord of lords the one that the bible says heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool who dwells in an unapproachable light and sits upon the circles of the earth now you should fast double and triple and quadruple because you are ministering to god himself hallelujah so you must take this ministry very seriously you don't just get up and come eating banku <laughs> just come and lead us and expect the glory of God to come down it's not going to happen it won't happen that is why you must be serious with your lives how you live your lives because you minister to God in the old testament yes we are in the new what do you call it but those who were ministering to God the priests 
Look at the preparation they used to go through before entering the Holy of Holies. Make sure, Charlie, no sin, this, that, that, that. The sacrifice cry, when they are going, they tie their legs because by the time you go, if you don't take time, they hear kum. It means that mm, something they dare. They just pull you out and go and bury you because nobody can dare to enter that place and go and bring out your body. That is people who minister directly to God. That is why you must take your life seriously. And when I start talking about Satan, I'll tell you why in a lot of churches, not all, some of the most problematic departments in the church is the choir. If you want to find backbiting, if you want to find fighting, if you want to find what, when you enter the choir, but our choir, they are extraordinary. There's nothing like that in them. Yesterday they started rehearsing. I was like, wow. I was sitting there and they're making me want to be part of it. I told the Lord, oh, Charlie, they should let me sing bass. They were like, oh, Kofi is there. He'll sing the bass. A nice way of telling me that I should find somewhere and sit. <laughs> but if it was, I tell you, one of these, I'll surprise you when my singing anointing comes. Even Joe Meto will call me for a collaboration. And I'll say, Master, find somewhere and sit. <laughs> so music is, is a very important thing in the house of God. That is why the ministers in song must be serious people. That is why you must come for prayer meetings. Amen. Because it is not a performance. It is administration. In fact, from next week, from next week, I'm bringing a rule. If you don't come for the prayer meeting on Saturday, even if you can't come and it's for a good reason, a good reason, that one you must communicate it to your leader. But if you just decide that I'm not going to come, you won't mount the, sta- the stage to minister. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah, because you see, the singers don't have any other time to pray together. How can you minister when you have not prayed? You think I'm standing here and I've not prayed? I'll be speaking left, right, center. You even, you even feel like listening to me. The fact that I have caught your attention and you are listening to me is not because of oratory skills. It's because the anointing of the Holy Spirit has caught your attention. And that comes by spending time in the presence of God. Amen. So it's not about how nice your voice is at all. People can have nice voices. When they pick up the microphone, the atmosphere is flat. Benihin told a story of a conference. He went to preach at a conference. And for some reason, they made a mistake. Two people sang the same song. First one came. Very superfluous voice. Nice whatever. Terms that you use. Did all the vibrato. Is that what you call it? The one that... Yeah. <laughs> you do it. Sometimes when you are singing, you do that thing too much. You take out the spirit in the song. When you do the keche too much. Uh, me, I like simple. Uh, once in a while, then you bring it in. Then Charlie, we know that you did form. But if every line, yeah, 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 yeah. And then once you are leading to sing, they can't do that thing that you are doing. So they'll stop and look at you, okay, then pe- perform. Do it for us to listen. Once in a while, then you bring it in. So this person came and did all the nice, fanciful things, finished, and okay, there was an applause. Everybody clapped. Nice singing. You've done well. But later somebody else came, took the same song, sang it, and he described the person's voice as nasal. You know nasal, you know there are some people like that. Hey, people like to sing through their noses. <laughs> the voice was nasal. But by the time the person had gotten to the middle of the same song, the whole atmosphere had changed. People were on their feet, some were on their knees, some were lying prostrate lifted up their hands worshipping 
the difference was the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's anointing of the Holy Spirit. So the singers, today I'm on you. For you to be anointed, you must be a prayerful person. You must spend time in the presence of God and in the word of God. I told you on Wednesday that every ministry must have the word as its basis. Whether you are a prophet, whether you are whatever, the basis is the word. The first preparation Jesus Christ made towards his ministry wasn't fasting and praying. He was in preparing himself in the word. Because at age 12, we knew that he knew enough of the word to go and sit down and argue with a big man. So that was the first preparation. We didn't hear of him fasting then. The fasting came after, what do you call it? John the Baptist. So when he was small, all of the time he was preparing himself in the word. So this thing that prophets say, oh, may the mission come. So when they come, even John 3.16, they'll misquote. And immediately start prophet. I don't believe in that kind of thing. And we feel it's okay if you're a prophet too. If you don't know the word, it's okay. No, 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 it's not all right. The word that we teach from, most of the books were written by prophets. Obadiah, Isaiah, all of them, they were prophets. They wrote the books that we teach from. So you, what, what, what excuse do you have as a prophet that you don't need to know the word of God? Every ministry is based on the word of God. So those of you who sing, learn the word. Study the word. And spend time in prayer. Because you are not only ministering unto men, but you are ministering unto men and God at the same time. So those are the two primary functions of music in the Bible. To praise and worship God and to teach people. Now, let's come to music in the world. I've taken some time to talk about music in the church. Let's talk about music in the world. Now, it is important for us to understand there are scriptures that suggest that Satan or Lucifer had some musical prowess when he was in heaven. And it's important for us not to underestimate those qualities. Now, give me Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel chapter 28. Let's start from verse 12 Ezekiel 28 now let's go to um, okay right son of man take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyros and say the king of Tyros is a type of Satan you see some theologians argue that this king of Tyros they were talking about was an actual human being but some of the things they were right you realize that it couldn't have been a human being amen just because they say king of Tyros. Then, then the prince of Persia in Daniel was also a human being. But we all know that was a demonic spirit. Amen. So the king of Tyros here can't be a human being. Son of man, king of Tyros, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, thou sealest up the psalm, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. He's giving you some of the attributes of Satan, and wisdom is one of them. He's a very crafty very wise adversary. Next verse. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was the king of Tyros in Eden. <laughs> Every precious stone thy covering, the sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl. He was describing Lucifer. How glorious and how majestic he was made. 
the sardius, the topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. So, I mean, every precious stone you can think about was in there. In there. He said, the workmanship of thy tablets. Now, this one is not tablet that somebody from a certain part of the country is trying to say and says tablet. <laughs> tablet. See, if I'm saying it, Christ, <laughs> it sounds funny in my mouth. <laughs> Let me try tablet. <laughs> You know, tablets are, are a form of, um, they're like, if you did culture, they have what we call membranophones, okay? The drums and the tambourine and those things, they are all membranophones, like membranes that you hit. You know, a tablet is one of them. And of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created, in thee. That means he, he had musical instruments embedded in him. When he was created. So maybe his hand was a pipe. and I don't know. But the instruments were woven into his body. Together with all these precious stones. Next. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. A cherub is a kind of angel. When we start our series on the supernatural. And I'm talking about angels. I'll tell you who the cherubs are. Cherubs are a type of angels. And they are around the throne of God. Okay, the anointed cherub that covered the original Hebrew word for that word anointed is not the same word that is for the application of oil. The anointed here means with spread out wings. Okay, so this angel they are describing was in the very presence of God. And they said he was the anointed cherub that covereth. So you could interpret it that he covered the throne of God. He was right in the in the in the the, the very presence of God with his wings or whatever that were outstretched. So he was in the very presence of God with these musical instruments embedded in his spiritual body or whatever body it it, it was. He said, thou was upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. To preach about the throne of God is another sermon altogether, which I'm not going to start. But basically, this entity called Lucifer was in the very presence of God with instruments woven in his body. He had musical attributes. And we all know what happened. Because of his beauty and the power God had given unto him, pride entered his heart and he decided to rebel and he was thrown down. Now, I'm going through these for you to appreciate the fact that whatever the level is, it is a fact that Satan had some musical attributes. Okay? The best singers we have in this world don't have any instruments made into their body. They like, do you have any instrument in your body? <laughs> you know? He must have been very powerful in the area of music. So now that this entity has been thrown down and it is clear that he is at loggerheads with us human beings, it will be very unwise 
of him not to use his strongest attributes against his enemy. Let's say you are fighting against somebody and your strength is in muscle power. You get close to the person and try and lift the person and do some things. Be Try to use your strength. Try to use your advantage. Rather than maybe try and be swift and do quick things and you'll be caught on a way. Everybody who is in a battle will try and use their strongest attributes. So Satan had a strong attribute in music and trust me, that is one of his weapons that is using to deceive man. That is one of the weapons he's using to deceive man. And, you know, when it comes to Satan and how he deals with human beings, there are times he comes directly. No mask. Straight and raw. But there are times too that he comes disguised. The Bible talks about him being disguised as an angel of light. Alright? So, when I talk about the Satan or Lucifer using music as a weapon... Don't necessarily expect that attack to come raw on this guys like that. There's something we call camouflage when it comes to warfare. Everybody say camouflage. You know what camouflage is? The, the uniform that the, what do you call it? Soldiers wear. It's a, it's a camouflage uniform. When they are fighting in the forest, they wear the greenish camouflage because they want to blend with the leaves in the forest so you can't see them. The whole idea of camouflage is disguise. When they are fighting in the desert, they use the brownish one. So, they blend with the desert sand and you can't tell the difference between them and the sun. So they can creep up on you, do whatever they want to do on you, to you and all of that. So Satan comes as an angel of light. He disguises himself as an angel of light. So when I'm talking about music being a weapon, it won't necessarily come in very raw forms. When Satan is dealing with those in the world, he can bring obviously profane things and that's what them they're already in his camp right obviously profane things if he wants to use music against you the believer he may not necessarily come in the raw form because you you recognize that no this is not from god and you will avoid it so the whole idea is camouflage you accept it and then it does the harm that it can do or it's supposed to to, to, to do on you. Satan lost that position of being in the presence of God and offering worship. And that is why worshippers are his number one enemy. You are like rivals. What he prided himself in, he used to do, that was his stake to fame. He has been stripped of that and now God has created you to do that. So do you know what happens when you are a worshiper or somebody who ministers in song and you go and misbehave? Satan goes to God. You know Satan and God, they still talk. Oh. It's not like they are not on talking terms. <laughs> they still talk. Satan goes to God and it's like, uh-huh. You see, you still need me. These people that you have used to replace me, look, 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 look at what they are doing. Look, 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 look. Look at what they are doing. Satan still goes to God. When the sons of God had met, Satan also, he came there and said, Hey, why have you been sent to and fro the earth? <laughs> the guy doesn't need a visa. <laughs> he goes everywhere he wants to go. And that's why I said, that is why sometimes choirs can be the most problematic 
departments in a, in a ministry. You, you are direct rivals of Satan. He envies what you, you... He wishes he could be given just two minutes to, to go and stand in the presence of God and worship again. And you, you get to do it every Sunday and you are joking with the, 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 the chance. So in some churches, you go and all sorts of problems in the choir. Pride issues. And you see, the, the choir people, you must watch pride. Though. Pride is not only when you walk and you have raised your collar and you are, yeah, walking as if you are suffering from chronic gigitis. That's not the only manifestation of pride. So you are in the choir, you believe you are a standard singer. And every day you are backing, backing, backing. Ah, why is that me too? I want to stand in front of what is that? Every day backing, every day backing. And then somebody goes and leaves, and the person turns the song into a burnt offering. <laughs> hey, we are there, we can sing the thing, and they are allowing people, and this, and this, and that, and that, and that. That is pride. Amen. If you're a standard singer, we will know <laughs> with time. <laughs> we will know that you're a standard singer. Or it's just a matter of being patient. Just be patient. Sometimes in the singing, eh, the backers are more important than the one leading. I'm telling you. Sometimes the backers, the backers are more important. You can be a very good leader. If your backers, if your backers are bad, you are bad. I'm telling you. Some backers who be singing on printable notes. Sometimes I know. That's what the life you are doing. That you signal the people to quench your microphone. So you be shouting and shouting and thinking you are singing. You are, you are singing to yourself and to God. <laughs> so backers are equally important. You may be one of these. I'll have a, a retreat with the, the choir. And we'll go into these things. So... Music is a strong attribute of Satan's. Let's not joke with it. And throughout history, Satan has influenced people, influenced nations, influenced cultures with this thing called music. There are a lot of people who are, have mental problems now and it's just because they got addicted to a certain kind of reggae music. Somebody asked me, so does the genre of Music is that the word genre? Genre, okay. Genre, hey, hey. hey today I'm learning things. <laughs> okay, for now, you let me say genre. <laughs> you know, somebody who asked, does it matter if it's high life? If it is, because the truth is that whatever song you sing in church, it will fall within one of these. It could be reggae, it could be whatever. High life, it could, now there's even gospel rap, you know, things like that. <laughs> and all that's it's, it's, doesn't matter the genre. You see, if it is a matter of genre, then we may not even listen to any music at all. Because the same reggae, if they start playing reggae right now, I can start singing, I've got my mind made up. And I won't turn back. Don't worry, I'm not doing a music concert here. I can sing that with that particular beat. And then some Rastaman too can come. And the same beat 
Saying useless words like Rastaman throw one stone. Rastaman is throwing stone. What does what has that got to do with me? <laughs> so you see, the genre is not really the issue. So somebody asks, if the genre is not really the issue, then what really is? So the next logical thing you can think about is that is the lyrics. It is the message the song carries. But you see, it is not as simple as that. It's not as simple as just the message. The message is important and the inspiration behind the tune is also important. You think some of the worship songs that take us into the presence of God, they were actually given by God. People sit there in prayer or something and just go... I know some people, there are songs they write, they dream. I know one songwriter. He dreams, he goes into heaven, and it's like he hears the angels singing that particular song. So he comes down and picks a phone and records it, and it becomes song. I mean, there are some people, when you listen to their songs, you know that no, this one, it's, it's one of my favorite singers is Sinach. I mean, she's one of the most anointed singers alive right now. It's like almost, a, it got to a time, any song I hear and I'm excited about it, I go and say, it's like, hey, go away, pa. <laughs> it's like, she just knows how to do the thing. And another of my favorite too is Nathaniel Bassi. Nathaniel Bassi is a, is a seriously anointed guy. Every song the guy writes is, aside being a good songwriter, the man is anointed. He's anointed. So it's not just about the words. You see, if it was just about the words, then it will be equal to poetry. Poetry is just words. But the tune and the inspiration behind the tune is also important. So what am I saying? If the Holy Spirit can inspire people to come out with tunes that take you into the presence of God, then Satan, the master of music, can also inspire people to put together tunes and lyrics that can do something opposite. That's why the Bible says, be sober and be vigilant. Yes. You see, we have authority over Satan and all of those things. But that scripture that says, be sober and be vigilant. What it means is that if you are careless and you are not sober and you are not vigilant, the Bible is saying what? Your adversary, the, the devil, who walketh about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So we shouldn't be careless in this world at all. We have authority. We are seated with Christ far above principalities and powers, but we are enjoined and entreated to be sober and to be vigilant. Hallelujah. Why do you think when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, one of the lines in this was that, deliver us from evil. This is Jesus teaching people to pray. He said, deliver us from evil. You need to be You need to be smart. He said what? Be as wise as a serpent and as what? Harmless as a dove. Ephesians, he tells us to be circumspect. We need to be circumspect. That means you don't walk about anyhow. That, oh, yeah, I have authority, so I can listen to anything, I can do anything. You are just opening yourself up. Hallelujah. When we are looking at the Bible, we must look at it in entirety. Don't just stick on the fact that, oh, we are seated with Christ, far above principalities. That is true. But it's also saying, if you are not sober and you are not vigilant, that adversary, the lion, will come and devour you. Amen. 
So the inspiration behind the song is also important. It is not just about the words. Some of the worldly songs, they don't carry any message. They've just put together words. Just exciting people and doing all sorts of things. There was a time there was this song that came. It was just one sentence. Hey, Alaji, Alaji, Alaji. And when they start playing that song, eh, hey. It's like the, the atmosphere changes. You know how, you know, worship and pray, sometimes one song can just change the atmosphere like that. Alaji had that anointing. Hey, Alaji, and people be standing there and dancing. The party becomes a nice party. Suddenly. Because of Alaji. What has Alaji done? What does that statement do? What, the song, what does it do for you? What does it speak into your life? That's why 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 12. Let's see 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 12. Quick. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Expedient means profitable. There are some things that may not necessarily be written as sins, but they just don't profit you. They don't profit you. There was some some time ago, there was some song, some gun song be that hit. Ole sekeni woye, ole sekeni woye. Those of you who understand, I do you know what ole sekeni woye means. Do you know how mad we are? Ole sekeni woye. And people are excited. Dancing. If you sing that song, you've not seen, but it is not profitable. It doesn't do anything to you. It doesn't add anything to your life. You see, the Bible talks about songs of fools. Ecclesiastes, give me, <laughs> give me Ecclesiastes chapter 7, 4 to 5. <laughs> Don't listen to songs of fools. So. <laughs> it said, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of meth. Meth means partying, merrymaking. Next. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear what? The song of fools. Mm. So when you go back, go and categorize your songs. <laughs> songs of the wise and then the songs of fools. They are songs of fools. They don't say anything. Right now, the craziness is says it's one corner. How many of you have seen that thing on social media? Hey. I'm like, what is this? When they start playing one corner, then people go and hide in some corner and be behaving as if they have an epileptic fit. What is that? And when you go, go and look for YouTube and interview. They interview the guy. He himself can't interpret the song. He can't explain the song. Say, and then he will bring some French beans. C'est la remission coco. He can't explain the song. But when they play the song, like all kinds of things. One video, eh? He was, I think, singing in the National Theater or something. The moment they started singing, people came onto the stage. And the whole thing is that you should find some corner and be doing all kinds of things. Some people went in behind the speaker. Some people, all sorts of things. I was like, what, what is this? These are songs of fools. Don't, don't waste your time with this kind of, these kinds of things. They don't add anything to your life. They don't add anything to your life. 
So somebody will ask me, what if the song has good lyrics? It is not necessarily a song that is praising God or worshiping God or teaching. What if the song has good lyrics? I'll answer that question. What if it's inspirational? What if it talks about good things? You see, if you can tell where the inspiration of the song came from, or you can discern because the Bible entreats us to, to, to test every spirit. I've told you that music, music can be very, very dangerous. You see, I read the story of a man who used to be in the occult. He was in the music industry, who used to be in the occult. He said some of the tunes that they use and they put um, inspirational, what do you call it, lyrics into. They actually go and pick the tunes from. If you've ever watched a video of what do you call it? Uh, 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 uh. You know, we have Church of Satan and those people. They have their, they do. They have organs and things like that. Too. Satan wants to mimic and copy everything God does. So they also have. He said some of them they go and pick tunes from these services and they put words into it. And those tunes were brought together under the inspiration of demons. Just like how we play these tunes and we activate the presence of God. They also use those tunes to activate the presence of Satan and the presence of demons in their meeting. So they actually go. I'm not saying every song is like that. I'm just giving you information so that you'll be circumspect. For you to know that it is not just about the words. I don't know how many of you have heard of Kenny G. Kenny G, he plays jazz. He plays one of those aerophones, whether it's a saxophone or whatever. He plays one of them. Kenny G was interviewed on CNN, Larry King, and he asked him, where do you get the inspiration from your, for your music from? Kenny G explicitly said, I get my inspiration from Satan. Kenny G's songs don't have any words. So this is a man telling you that I get my inspiration from Satan. And you are listening to lunchtime jazz. Some people use it to learn. You are learning. Inspiration that came from Satan. And you are soaking that satanic inspiration into you. Why do you think you are struggling with certain sins? Why do you think you are struggling with your prayer life? It's because you are inviting certain squatters into your house by playing those songs. So we need to be careful. Look, this is my stance. And this one, I'm saying, is this my stance. Amen. Paul, when he's speaking his mind, he'll tell you that he's speaking his mind. For me, as a child of God, the safest kind of music is a music that gives praise, worship to God, and it teaches something from the word of God. Finished. That's why I read for you from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, that all things are lawful, but all things are not profitable. And it goes on to say, I will not be brought under the power of any. You, you, you can't be a Christian and you can say, I can't do without worldly music. You shouldn't say that. You haven't finished listening today. All the worship songs that we sang, were you able to sing all of them? There's some of them you are looking at Minister Della because you didn't know how to sing. You have a lot of good songs to learn. Why do you waste your time with the ones that will not profit you? How do you waste your time? Methodist hymn book. From hymn one to hymn what, 400 and whatever. You can learn those ones. Those are inspired by the Holy Spirit. These are songs that will edify you. Don't waste your time with allergy in one corner. 
So for me, the safest kind of music for a believer is music that will either praise, worship, or teach. The rest, we can do without them. And that is not to say that every song that doesn't fall within these three is demonic. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that they can be demonic. They can be demonic. So don't just buy any kind of CD. Another person who was in the occult into music, he said, when they finish preparing the CDs, they go to one of those meetings and they invoke a principality to come in, in quote, bless the music. And the blessing that follows the music is that every CD you buy, a demon follows you into your house. So suddenly, your house, mayhem, all kinds of things, your prayer life, it becomes somewhere. The demon is not living inside you, but it's just hovering around in your house. All because there is some strange CD somewhere. Today, when you go back, all the strange CDs and songs of fools, we are clearing all of them. Hallelujah. There is too much good music in the house of God for you to be wasting your time on some of these things. So somebody will ask, okay, so the radio, they are playing all these songs. There's a difference between hearing and listening. You can hear and decide not to listen. You can't determine what your roommate plays. But you can decide whether you are hearing or you are listening. I remember we were living somewhere and... It was close to some drinking spots. They were playing all the latest. My wife was like, hey, very soon we'll be able to sing all these songs too. Because it's like you can't hear, help hearing them. Every day they are playing. Every day they are playing. And if you, if you operate in the gift of the discernment of spirits, you will know that when you go into an environment with these kinds of songs, the demonic activity is high. I remember when I was, I was prayer secretary of CMF. There was a day... We closed CMF and I was walking towards the hostel and I descend. It's like the atmosphere was just saturated with demons. I was like, ah, what kind of thing is that? Because I didn't sense anything like that before. And the Holy Spirit reminded me that it was UGMSA week and they had mounted these speakers in front of B Block and were playing all kinds of songs. You said, that is the source. Just as we will play music and the presence of God will come down, these things also have a a way of attracting all kinds of spirits into an atmosphere. I pray that God will give you the grace to be able to see the kind of music you listen to. Look, your spiritual life, your prayer life, your word study life will go to another level if you stop listening to some of these things. And even going to the point of dancing to them. Some of them, some of you, if we should come and take a secret video of you at a party, hey, we we'll need to take you through deliverance. Because you'll be dancing all kinds of dances to all sorts of songs. Don't open yourself up for satanic influence. The demon might not come and live inside you. But if you are not sober and you are not vigilant, Satan can influence your life. All sorts of bad habits. A lot of people who are into violence is because of hip-hop. They listen to hip-hop and they are talking about violence, they are talking about rape, they are talking about... There was one hip-hop song, one guy, Tupac. How many of you heard, heard of Tupac? He's dead. Some of the sounds, some of the beats in the song are gunshots. It's like part of the whole, what do you call it, like that. That's it. You listen to these things and you are imbibing these things into yourself. Teenagers who have taken guns and killed people. If you watch Crime and Investigation Channel, a lot of them, they expose themselves to violent music. Somebody did an experiment. Two sets of rats 
he exposed one set to a certain kind of rock music and the other group he didn't expose them to anything he realized that anytime he exposed one group to the rock music as soon as the music stopped they started mating indiscriminately among themselves and he didn't observe the same thing with those he didn't give the music to why do you think people go to nightclubs and when they are finished they want to do all kinds of things they want people to do all kinds of things to them and with them it's because demons have been released in that kind of atmosphere people dancing all kinds of profane dances profane songs are being played spirits of lust are invited into such an environment when I, I come to entertainment a believer you have no business going to a nightclub unless of course you are going there to go and ask the DJ to stop the music and you preach the word and do an altar call oh Bishop Doug has done that before he walked into a nightclub he told the DJ just give me one minute silence people were angry took the microphone preached did an altar call some people came forward and he took them out of their place and some of them are pastors in this church today I pray for God to give you that kind of boldness ah, that's the only time you should be seen in a nightclub if you have prayed then that, that kind of boldness has come that's the only time you should be seen in a nightclub but may the Lord give us the grace to listen to the right music music that will edify us and music that will take us to the next level shall we stand to our feet we'll continue on Wednesday